You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and I want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. I also want to say that uh, I feel like I'm having some problems with the sound on this one, so please let me know how it sounds. Uh, I'm not getting quite the normal look on Audacity as I'm recording this, so uh, bear with me. I apologize if there is any issues or the like, but again, I only know if you let me know, so uh, please do let me know. So we're going to keep on what we were doing with yesterday's show. We're going to talk about a name to know for the Indians. We're going to then dive into last year's class, talking about the players that they uh, selected and how they're looking a year later. So this next player I want to talk about... um, this is a name to know. This is a guy who quite, you know, well, he doesn't literally check every box because then that would mean he's checking boxes. But he is almost the perfect Indians pitcher. Let me put it that way. Uh, a few years ago, I talked about Eli Morgan at the start of, I can't remember whatever round it was. I should know this because it makes me look smart. I'm like, hey, isn't it about time for the Indians to draft Eli Morgan? And they literally drafted him in that round. If you listen to the podcast a year ago, we're going to talk about Xavier Curry in a bit. But he was another person that kind of went, um, pay attention, this is an Indian special. Here's my Indian special for this year. Here's the guy that in the fourth or fifth round, I just put it in there, in stone. Uh, Trenton Denholm from UC Irvine, right-handed pitcher. Uh, I don't know if I've ever seen someone who is more of an Indian's pitcher when you look at the numbers. So many places to start. Let's start with we know how they are about age. How does Trenton uh, Denholm figure into age? Well, he will not turn 21, he is a a junior, until November 29th. So he is one of the youngest juniors in the country. Uh, He's younger than every draft-eligible sophomore, and even a lot of sophomores who wouldn't be draft-eligible until next year's class anyways. Uh, He is an extremely young junior uh, with that birthday at the end of November and being 20 right now. means that this is a kid who turned, he started his senior year of high school at the age of 16. Okay, so he, he's always been very young. Uh, does he come from a cold weather state, California or Georgia? He comes from California. He went to El Dorado, uh, or sorry, he went to Oak Ridge High School in El Dorado Hills, California, which is where he is born. And then, as I mentioned at the start, he goes to UC Irvine. What about his walk rate? Well, last few years, uh, he was a day one starter for this program. And as a freshman, 3.03 walks per nine. As a sophomore, 1.81 uh, this year, limited 3.80, so it did balloon a bit up there. Uh, what about his size? Is he undersized? He is five foot eleven. He is an undersized pitcher. Uh, a bit more on the extreme end, but not you know Eli Morgan is even smaller than that. What about Cape performance? Uh, that's another one where he excelled in the Cape this past year. Uh, I want to make sure I have the exact numbers. He had a zero point ERA in almost 29 innings. So that's right. Went to the Cape and dominated the competition, didn't give up a single earned run um, in the whole time he's in the Cape in nearly 29 innings. That's pretty good. Does he have a plus change-up or slider? He has a plus change-up. It's one of the best change-ups in the entire draft. He uh, He's mostly fastball change right now. There is a curve that is a pitch that, you know, we'll see how he continues to develop it. Last one, has he ever been previously drafted? He was. He was drafted by the Boston Red Sox back in 2017, 26th round, 791st overall. 
Uh, basically, the only thing I'm lacking is Trackman data. If he has great spin rates, then he is... You could not design a, a guy who more fits kind of that later Indians college arm. Uh, he checks every single box imaginable. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever found just a better fit for the Indians. So uh, Trenton, Denholm, UC Irvine. Maybe I'll be wrong this year, but uh, so far I've been kind of right in predicting these guys. So keep that name in mind. So let's now go back to the 2019 draft and perfect time to come in because I was just talking about how last year I predicted Xavier Curry would go to the Indians and that's exactly what happened. Now, if you're not familiar with him, uh, that makes perfect sense because Xavier Curry did not pitch at all last year for the Indians. As a matter of fact, he got shut down pretty early with Georgia Tech. He was a, you know, he had pitched in the Cape the year before that, but he, uh, it was very short, very small sample size, so not a lot to go. And he had a shoulder injury, and I spent a good hour last night digging for the specifics on the shoulder injury. Um, you know, he was drafted, signed, and then immediately placed on the 60-day disabled list. And then in December, no, January, he was put on the Mahoning Valley roster. And that's it. You know, he didn't pitch at all last year once the Indians drafted him. There was nothing for him. Uh, I don't know the degree of the shoulder injury. It's just, it's interesting because everything just shows, it, you know, this is the problem with college injuries in general is a they're very generally stated shoulder problem elbow injury uh etc and often that's not even the part of them that's actually wrong so it's it's often very much a thing where the injury gets up obfuscated is the word i want to say and i don't know exactly what curry had but i know enough to know this is like someone who got shut down in march and then didn't pitch the rest of the summer so I'm very curious. I was like, I was digging, and I don't know why I couldn't find something. If he had had something serious, you'd think it would be out there somewhere. But there just wasn't anything to find. So why do I think Curry to the Indians? Well, he is an undersized pitcher, five foot ten right-hander. He is young for his class. He uh, was 20 years old all of last year, did not turn 21 until uh, the end of July. And he's someone who didn't walk a ton of guys and was able to successfully miss bats. He was a day one starter for Georgia Tech. I think he might have set a record. I don't know. I know he set the record. I don't know if he was their opening day starter as a freshman, but as a sophomore and a junior, he was, and he won both of those games. Uh, I'm assuming when they talk about him setting a record before his injury. And the the other, con- I mean, the concern I had was he was very home run prone, but that is a hitter friendly park big offensive numbers over there for Georgia Tech but uh, his final year over 10 strikeouts per nine 2.5 walks per nine 1.1 home run per nine value I think it has to be down he didn't pitch uh, and he was already an undersized right-hander who had shoulder problems so the fact he didn't pitch at all um, that, that's gonna hurt his stock you'd like to have seen him because now not only did he not pitch last year but he's not gonna pitch this year so now you're talking about a guy who He's going to miss two years, uh, first two years, because of what's going on. Uh, also, have to just point out, you know, we talked about the Indians and their themes in these drafts. Xavier Curry, Georgia Tech, obviously is another Georgia talent. And what you see with Curry and Eli Morgan is, compared to them, uh, Trenton Denholm would be a giant. So, I mean, not really. He's only an inch bigger than Curry. Uh, I did forget to mention with Curry, the interesting thing is he actually showed up to Georgia Tech as an infielder. He was moved to uh, a pitcher, 
I mean, he did have experience as a starter, but as I recall, he had started out as an infielder, a very good athlete. Indians do appreciate athleticism on the mound as well. What I appreciate personally is Built Bar, who is one of our sponsors today. And I did get my new order today. I tried out the mango. Uh, doesn't break the, the big board uh, top three. Does not get in there over the peanut butter banana, the toffee almond, or the orange chocolate cream. It's a good one. It was one of the, the short ones to try. So if you missed out on that, that is okay. It'll likely be back. They cycle those flavors in all the time. And that's part of the fun. It's They have a base number of great flavors. And then there are a bunch that come and go. I'll have to let you know how the pineapple upside down cake tastes and the pecan pie one. Why do I love Built Bar? Because it is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Like I enjoy eating these guys. They are low in sugar. They are high in protein, high in fiber. It's the best tasting protein bar I have personally ever had. And that is why I feel just great about this product, why I enjoy having them as a sponsor. So if you're like me and you like to start your day with a protein bar or a protein shake of something of that ilk, go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, get 10% off your order. Again, this is the best protein bar I have personally ever had. So I talked about the fact I am not a car guy, but I can appreciate RockAuto.com even though I'm not a car person, because what they're doing is they're cutting out the middleman. You can go to their site, rockauto.com, and you can find your pieces that you need, and you're going to be able to go through, and you're going to consistently find that they are cheaper than anywhere else. Uh, the example that they gave us in here was a fuel pump assembly for a Honda Odyssey is $353.99 in advance, the chain store. rockauto.com is $216.79. Uh, Sean Woodley, who runs the Locked On Raptors podcast, he told me uh, it's really easy to use, and he's already used it. He's gone on and found parts. Uh, and while I don't know about cars, I know about deals. And I know that when you find a great site, you're going to keep going back to that site. And that is what they're counting on. They're counting on you going to rockauto.com, getting a good deal, and being like, okay, this is where I'm going to come. You know, I'm going to come here and buy a part, and then maybe I take it to my my mechanic to have him put it in. Or if you have that capability, like, this is going to be where I go and get my parts. And... One of the big things I highlight in here is that with an increasing number of makes and models, it is impossible to stock all the parts you need at a traditional chain storefront. So I deal with the uh, the impossible and intimidating questions. I know I had to go to one of those chains once and get a piece for uh, my car that was having issues, and uh, I said one bit wrong, and they made me feel like an idiot. So instead of doing that, I could have just held what I needed in front of me, gone on to rockauto.com, and likely got a better price for that than I would have gotten at the chain. So go check out our sponsor. You're going to write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Remember, that's rockauto.com. Go check it out for yourself. And then when they How Did You Hear About Us box, put Locked On in there so they know that we sent you that to them. Okay. I I, I want to apologize as I feel that um, I'm just doing a bunch of podcasts at a, very, a lot of places. Uh, today was the last day of the three-parter over on the the flagship, the MLB podcast, where we went through and did the uh, the mock all the way through pick 37. So so day three is two picks for the Indians. So if you only want to hear about the Indians, you can uh, find out there. If you want to hear about someone like Dylan Dingler, an Ohio kid who uh, is, has a chance to be just the fourth first rounder in Ohio State history and has a chance to be the highest first rounder in the entire history of the school, go check that out. Uh, Ohio State baseball, uh, not great. Let's put it that way. Uh, I was going through and looking three players in the history of that program with a war, total war of two or better. Um, and as you know, a replacement player level in one year gets a value of two. So yeah, things have not uh, not gone well for most players from that program. 
But uh, of those four first-round picks, two of them are two of the three players. The uh, the third guy, Dave Burba, former Indian, so tying it back. Now let's tie it back to the draft that we talked about from 2019. The next player up is Will Brennan, a center fielder from Kansas State. He was drafted, and when he was drafted, I should say, they specifically said outfielder and pitcher. And I talked about at the time, the reason he stands out in particular as someone who could actually be a dual player is he's not great at either. He's not bad. He's not average. He's just good. He's all right. Like, you're, if you have him losing up bats in the outfield, that's fine. He's more of a backup outfielder. Like, he's he has some athleticism and some tools there. Um, the Indians sent him to Arizona, and then they sent him to Mahoning Valley. Arizona is a college kid. He just dominated. Numbers are fantastic there. Mahoning Valley, he struggled. Uh, Kansas State does not have a long history in terms of uh, putting players into the majors. Uh, and he had just an average season at Kansas State. He didn't even have, like, you know, it was an OPS under 800, which is not what I'm used to seeing in a kid who gets drafted relatively high. But he was more of a defensive specialist, athletic uh, good speed, a nice bench bat is how you would sum it up. And as a pitcher, what stood out is that he was a lefty. So you get that left-handed uh, reliever, which is probably your best combination. A guy who's going to be best served is a lefty reliever, which is a niche role, but you always want to have uh, more than one of those in your pen. And then also that ability to be a backup outfielder who could handle maybe all three spots as a backup or limited play role. He did not pitch at all last year. Uh, for the Buckeyes, his best season came in 2018, working mostly out of the pen, well, half and half out of the pen. Uh, he struggled on the mound in 2019. Uh, but again, this specifically listed him as a two-way player. A year later, I think he's same. Uh, yeah, the numbers weren't great in Mahoning Valley, and you'd like to see him as a college player perform a little better there. But he's never been an offensive you know, uh, dynamo. He's been a okay hitter with good tools and an okay pitcher. He does everything okay, nothing great, and that's what makes him kind of an ideal candidate for that idea of a a two way player. Because he's not gonna, it's not gonna hurt your team when he's doing one because you need him in the other spot. Next pick, Will Bartlett, first baseman, left fielder. Uh, I believe when he was at the he was at the IMG Academy. So this is a prep player out of Palo Alto, California. And I believe he was mostly a first baseman at IMG. Uh, he was sent to Arizona along with all the other high school kids in this draft class. I was kind of curious, curious to see. He played 11 games in the outfield and 23 at first base. Um, probably, I mean, I viewed him as more of a first baseman. What stands out with his performance was after all the other high school kids that we've talked about is he was okay. Uh, 268 batting average, Here's the big one, 386 on base, 379 slugging, 765 OPS. So he has a very good on-base percentage, walked 29 times in 44 games, did strike out 48 times in 44 games. Uh, The power didn't really show up, did have 12 doubles, uh, just the one home run. He is raw, and that was kind of the report that I got on him. He was not someone I had invested a ton of time into before the draft, but afterwards I quickly thought, okay, I can get behind this pick, especially getting him in the ninth round. It's an in, He's an interesting developmental player, 6'3", 215. Uh, we'll see what he can do at this point in time. I don't know if I want to say arrow up. I guess slightly up because 
especially when you compare him to the other high school kids they drafted. He is the fourth high school bat that we've talked about in these first nine picks. And the other three uh, couldn't hit their body weights in... That's not fair. They could hit their body weights. They couldn't hit my body weight. Let's change that. They couldn't hit my body weight in Arizona, which is a place where they everyone typically excels. So the fact that he was able to go down there while the other three struggled just kind of make him, makes him look better to me at this point because you're going through and he stands out because he performed. Was he spectacular? No, but he's a developmental player who did exactly that. He showed development. Next pick in the 10th round, Zach Hart. This is another one of the um, Kip Cod specials, uh, one of those guys that they saw there and liked what they saw. He is from Franklin Pierce University in New Hampshire, and when this pick happened, I went, who? I, I, I was not familiar with him. New Hampshire is not exactly a state that I often spend a lot of time looking at. And, you know, when you dive into him, he was a guy who turned 22 in the beginning of May. He's already 23. And that also stood out because it's like, wow, he's old for his class. Like, he is an unusual Indians pick. They don't draft a lot of 22-year-olds. He was a senior sign. This was a way for them to save a little money for those earlier picks, uh, Cairo, Valdez, some of those guys were a little more pricey. So he started out at Franklin Pierce and was there for the whole time, all four years. When he went to Arizona, which we've talked about, you know, he, he at 22, he is like over a year older than the league's average age, and he got rocked in Arizona. ERA over six, home run rate over one, hit rate at nearly 12. Walk rate over three. The one interesting thing, a strikeout rate approaching 13, which even in, like his, in college, this is a guy who in his like 2019 season had a strikeout rate of nine with a walk rate of 2.4. Uh, he did pitch, like I said, in the Cape Cod, he was quite good. Uh, and that's where the Indians saw him, and I think that's where they decided to invest in him in 23 innings. But with his age, he should dominate, and... That's not what occurred, and I talked about the fact he's already 23. The arrow is down. I hate to say it because it's it's an uphill battle for him to begin with, but when you are significantly older than the kids you are facing, and he had, it was only 25 innings, so not a big enough sample size, but we have seen the Indians move on quickly from previous senior signs who were reliever types who get put into this role. Uh, so they take a look, they see if there's maybe more than they thought, and then they quickly, within a year or two, move on. So that is the possibility here, just based on the performance and numbers. And we will end today with the 11th round, because the 11th round, while it is the beginning of day three, that's often where we see teams spend a little bit more money, use some of their savings. Uh, the Indians in particular have a history of always signing the player they take in the 11th round. It is an important pick to them, and they treat it as such. I'm going to butcher this name, so... Nick Mikulajak, Mikulchachak. You can go look it up. He is a right-handed pitcher from Sam Houston State University. And would you believe me if I told you he pitched well in the Cape? Three-year starter at Sam Houston. His performance with foul... I'm, I always want to call it foul mouth. I know it's not that, but when I see that Cape team, that is what my mind goes to. It was only 14 innings, but 12.3 strikeouts per nine, 1.2 walks per nine, working from uh, working from a, mostly a relief role. He was a reliever and a starter his final two years at Sam Houston State, but once the Indians drafted him, uh, I mean, every note I had on him was as a future reliever. Indians agreed, moved him right into that role. Uh, in Arizona, he had six innings and had a strike, a walk rate of zero and a strikeout rate of 18 and a hits per nine of six. 
So they moved him up. It's it's a limited sample size, but he was just dominating. Uh, gets moved up to Mahoning Valley, doesn't miss a beat. I mean, I guess he misses a bit of a beat because the strikeout rate goes from 18 to 11.4, and the walk rate goes from 0 to 1.4. But the hit rate does drop from 6 to 4.7. ERA goes up from a 0 to a .47. Across those two levels, he gets in 25 innings, but... You gotta love a .036 ERA, 13 strikeouts per nine, 1.1 walk per nine, didn't give up a home run, and allowed five hits per nine. Uh, whip isn't a great stat, but when you see a .68 whip, uh, that stands out. And even when they drafted him, my th- my statement was, he's a reliever, but there's major league potential here, and I think that's what we've seen. I would hope they would be aggressive with him. We'll see where he gets placed and what they do. Likely, he would start in low A. And then I hope if he continues to be this good, he would just get moved up. Uh, low to mid-90s fastball, he was an interesting pitcher. After some of the, the picks towards the end there, this was a name I knew. I knew about his Cape performance, and that kind of made me, uh, you know, it makes you peek up because sometimes, especially when the draft was the typical 40 rounds or when I started when it was 50 rounds, uh, you would just get into these doldrums in the middle where you're like, I don't think I've known one of these players for the last three rounds. So here was a name I knew. It was an interesting pickup, and I loved the fact they didn't mess around. They just moved him right to the pen, and he was awesome there. And hopefully he will, uh, when we, everything starts back up again, they will push him aggressively. They have some really interesting pen arms in the minors, and they're doing a good job of developing that because uh, the cost of relievers is so high in trades and in free agency. You really need to have, if you are a small market team, the ability to develop your own relievers. So... Uh, Nick Miko, as I'm going to call him, is a name to know. And I think he is, when we're talking about players, an arrow solidly up. He did what he needed to do. Uh, he came in and he was uh, dominant. You know, yes, he was facing a lot of younger competition, but it is important when you are facing younger competition that you're not just good, but you are great. And he was great. He was uh, fantastic. Again, the numbers are fun to go look at. I've been Jeff Ellis. You all have been fantastic. This has been the Thursday edition of Lockdown Indians. Tomorrow, I will give you another name, and we will dive deep into day three of this draft. Uh, Some names to know, some more interesting players, and a few more Cape performers, uh, just to show how important that is to the Cleveland Indians when we uh, discuss this year's draft. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. And as always, go Tribe.